everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Well, I am so happy that you're tuning in today. Whether this is your first episode or your 16th episode, you are really going to enjoy my conversation with Tina Foster. This is also a little bit of a monumental moment as Tina takes How'd She Do That? across the pond for the very first time. Before we dive into that incredible conversation, I want to update you guys on some fun things we've been doing in Malibu. Some of you may have seen some photos from a beachside dinner that I was able to throw for my interns in Malibu. It was incredible. Love Always M events helped me put it on and gosh, her desire to create a safe yet unforgettable experience totally came to fruition. You guys are going to want to check out her work, check out the dinner. It was it was honestly insane. <laughs> and if you follow me on Instagram, then you likely saw we also did a photo shoot in Malibu this weekend for some upcoming How'd She Do That content. You all are going to want to stay tuned. Coming soon and all for you. Well, if you can believe it, there is one last thing that's happening today that is even more exciting than those updates, and that is today is my husband Luke's birthday. Happy birthday, honey. I love you so much. Well, so fun, you guys. I am really excited to share today's episode with you. Tina Foster, founder of Mushroom London, joins me. Tina is an incredible mother, friend, host, writer. The list goes on and on. You all are going to love hearing her story. In this episode, we talk about the early years of Tina's career and the beginning stages of her brand. If you've ever wanted to start your own business or pivot in your career, you're really going to benefit from all of Tina's wisdom. We had a blast. She's amazing. Here is Tina Foster on How'd She Do That? Today's guest is one I am so excited to speak with. Tina Foster is a lifestyle blogger, entrepreneur, mother, and friend. I am so excited to bring her journey to life on today's episode. Over the years, Tina has loved experimenting with furnishings and accessories. Living between London and Wiltshire, her inspiration has come from both the city and the countryside. When she originally started her website, Mushroom London, it was because she was aware that her nest would soon be empty. Her hope was to bring carefully selected and sourced products for the home based on a calm palette with an emphasis on her signature color, Mushroom. What started as an online shop has developed into a lifestyle business. Her mission is to help to put a positive spin on life in general, but particularly resonates and helps those with empty nests. When Tina isn't writing, podcasting, inspiring other women through her style and design or connecting with her many followers, she's likely enjoying a walk through the English countryside or spending time with her husband, three kids, and darling dog. Tina, welcome to How'd She Do That? Oh, thank you, Emily. What a lovely introduction. I'm so happy to Uh be here. Oh, well, I am so happy to have you. And I have to give a quick thank you and a quick shout out to our mutual friend, Susie Mile, for introducing us. The wonderful Susie. We've done a, we did a live together. I love Susie. She's so energetic and enthusiastic. 
She is. She is so sweet. And when I asked her who I should have on the podcast, you were the first person to come to mind. And I have since enjoyed seeing your beautiful life in outside of London. Tell us a little bit. Where are you currently? So we're based in Wiltshire, which is in the south of England. So if you think of a city that most people know, it would be near Bath. Oh, yes. Okay, yes. Is that that's the biggest city closest to you? It's about 40 minutes away. So we've got Bristol and Bath, but most people know Bath. So that's an easy way of putting it on the map for people. Yes, absolutely. And it is 9am here in Los Angeles. And I'm guessing it's the afternoon. You have almost ended your day. (laughs) We're 5pm. We've got beautiful blue skies and sunshine, which which has been rather nice. Oh, wonderful. Well, again, I, I kind of listed in your intro all of the amazing things you've done in recent years, but I would love to dive into your career story and hear a little bit more about your life and your career and and what you've been up to even before kiddos. So I love to start kind of at the very beginning, uh, hearing a little bit about where you went to school, perhaps what you thought you may dive into at the time, and would love to hear about what that season of life was like for you. Okay, so um, I went to school in Somerset, which is where my parents still are. They're probably about an hour from here. And then we we don't have... um, Obviously, I think you call them colleges. We have universities. And at the time I was studying, we had something called a polytechnic, which was a like a university, but did sort of more um, sort of better based courses in terms of taking them on and doing something that you wanted to do with them. So I studied business studies at a polytechnic in Oxford, um, which was great fun. (laughs) Great, great fun. So I wasn't at the university, but I was at the polytechnic there, which is an extremely good polytechnic in its time. Oh, how fun. And so during that season, you were what were you thinking you were going to dive into as you kind of thought about your career and, and what might be next? What was that post kind of season like as you dove into your career? Well, prior to that, I'd always wanted to be a midwife. So I'd actually done oh, a pre nursing wow. course. But I, got, I went down the path of business studies. And when I was in Oxford, obviously, we had a lot of fun, but it was quite an expensive city to live in. So I got myself a job in one of the next shops. Do you have a, Do you know the chain Next Retail? Yes, big, yes, I have heard of that. So for the fashion brand. And I got a part-time job there. And in doing so, fell in love with sort of the idea of being a window dresser. So got caught up in that whole thought process that fashion might be where I would go. So started off in fashion, and I'm sure you learned a lot through that kind of season of life. What was your favorite thing about that? I mean, it kind of, it's interesting how it already ties in a little bit with Mushroom London, your eye for design and beauty. But what was kind of your favorite thing about diving into fashion? And how long did you do that? What I did was I actually managed to get onto their graduate development scheme, which they took only 12 people a year. Um, And so I was fast tracked through managing shops and having a chance to trial all the different bits of of the fashion industry. Um, And I think probably my favorite bit was managing, managing the stores. I loved looking, sort of looking after other people and managing them. That was sort of probably my high point of that particular role. And how long were you doing that for? I did that for a couple of years, but I'm afraid being young it was beginning to get a little bit difficult because my weekends were gone <laughs> because obviously work Saturdays <laughs> and Sunday trading had started at that point as well. So as a manager, you're often the one that has to go in because your staff can't work at the weekends. 
Yes. So it became a bit much. I sort of felt I was missing out on with being with my friends. And so weekends were being taken over by by working. Oh, yes. And so with that in mind, did you move on to a new endeavor or, or what did that kind of look like for you? I did move on to a new endeavor because I think by then I'd realized that retail was great, but it wasn't everything I wanted. I didn't probably have the eye to do the window dressing, which is what I wanted to do. So I um, I just looked around for other jobs, and I have a secret passion for cars. Um, I'm, oh. I'm a <laughs> petrol head, and I um, oh, yes. I got into a company where we had clients who were they were basically sponsoring Formula Three Thousand and truck racing. So I ended oh, up wow. working on the racing circuits with all the all the sort of truck race racing and Formula Three Thousand teams. Oh. My gosh! Now, what were you doing with them? Yeah, I mean, were uh, you? Press, press what were you doing? PR. We were doing so. It was sort okay. of sports sport sponsorship. So, getting involved with the PR and looking after the the guests when they came to watch the racing. Um, and yes, it was it was just making sure the trucks made it to the right track on time in the right truck. Um, it was good fun. It was really good fun, actually. We, it was probably one of my favorite jobs, if I, if I look back now. My gosh, that is so fun to think of you out at the race course. You all who are not following Tina, you're going to have to go and find her. She is a beautiful blonde. So I'm sure the race car drivers enjoyed you being there as well. <laughs> well one, of, one of our drivers was a woman who was also a diminutive blonde. She was amazing. And she used to throw oh. these trucks around the track like you wouldn't believe. It was it was brilliant. It was, it was she was probably one of the first, I think. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Well, so you're there and you are working at wow in PR and marketing, which again I love to kind of hear how you can connect the dots. I'm curious because this is kind of after going through school and whatnot. What is your personal life looking like at this time? Because I know we have a stint of motherhood coming up at some point, but what is what's your personal life look like in these younger years of life and and in PR and marketing? What does it kind of look like and what's happening I am young friend single and sharing a house <laughs> with three girlfriends in London so where we were we were living the high life you know having been brought up all my life in Somerset then done Oxford it was it was the time to sort of just we, we were having fun it was a, it was a wonderful part of my life that oh that is so fun so how long were you doing uh, the PR and marketing with the racing Quite a few years, actually, because we also did uh, quite a lot of stuff with music people. So we did, we went on tour with Big Country, the Proclaimers, Tanisha Tikaram. So I was I was having a really good time. I think I probably did that for about three years or so. Um, and then I think, oh, like wow. all young people, then possibly same now, I was I was looking for the next thing. I was looking for the career move that would pay me better. So the fun right. was great, but I needed to start thinking about getting a sort of a better salary that would enable me to settle down at some point. Yes, absolutely. So what did that kind of look like? You've enjoyed the time on the track and around the track. Were you looking to move into PR and marketing or what did that kind of look like for you to step into your next role? What I did was I got into headhunting in PR and marketing, which was a great, great way to, to take my knowledge from the other side and then I was headhunting people for roles in similar sort of jobs or, you know, jobs in that in that arena. So you moved into from kind of the PR and marketing element, which is super creative and, again, ties in so much with what you're currently doing. But then you actually were going around and being able to place people into different roles. What was your favorite thing about that job? What Was it meeting people? What did that kind of look like? 
think it's the meeting people actually and, and finding out about them, sort of having to just delve and interview them and find out that little bit more about somebody to see if you can find out what makes them tick. And you're such a people person. So I can see how that would be a great fit for you. W- mm. With that role, how did you come to find that specific role? A lot of my listeners are are recent graduates or they're looking to pivot in their career. And they're probably listening to all that you've done. And with, with racing and PR and marketing, they're like, wow. But really, PR and marketing, uh, some would say there's a lot of difference between that and recruiting. Recruitment. So how did you actually move from uh, PR and marketing? What was that step? Was it a conversation with someone? Was it someone within your network? How did you know that was going to be the next thing for you? In, in those days, we, we used to reply to the adverts in the papers, which I oh, think yes. is probably an old-fashioned LinkedIn, if I think about yes. it. You yes. know, there were pages and pages every Thursday and Friday or whatever day of the week it was. You, you got the Times and the Telegraph. And you literally sat there with a red pen and you circled the jobs you were going to apply for. Oh my gosh, that is so fun to think about. Yes, I would say now it's kind of, that's definitely uh, the modern LinkedIn is looking through and and finding kind of what your next step might be. And so with that role, was that one that you did for many years? What did that look like? And and what was the, the growth for you in that specific role? That role actually ended because I got married. So it was a it was, oh, a, okay. it was a choice to actually decide not to be working because we were going on a two month honeymoon, and and the build up to the wedding. So I took some time out. So that for me was the end of that role. Uh, but just oh, going God. back to the finding the job, because obviously I've got a twenty four year old. He yes. he would say LinkedIn now, and I'm I'm sure it's the same worldwide. It's it's the way he he basically networks with people. And he's constantly connecting with people. He says, never be frightened to reach out and just send that message to somebody because people are incredibly well positioned and they're very kind on LinkedIn. They do normally respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so fun to think about, gosh, and even the world, look how big the world is. You and I are chatting. My day's just yeah. getting started. Yours is ending. And this is a, a connect from, from a friend, but I love that insight and we'll have to thank him. What's his name? Ollie. Ollie, thank you. Thank you, Ollie. I love that that tip and that advice for my listeners because that's so true. LinkedIn is such a great kind of resource and platform now to share and to connect as you're looking for a role and you're thinking about what your next step might be. All right. So you have gotten married and I'm sure, or I could guess, maybe you guys are thinking about starting a family and that season of life. So you have actually been able to take in the wedding and all that that comes with. I'm so curious, and we can even jump a few years. What did that season of motherhood look like for you as you were raising the kids? And gosh, now in recent years, you're such an inspiration to so many women your age and all that you do with Mushroom London. But what did that season of life look like with the kids? And I'm so curious as to when you felt like it was time to get started with another venture. Well, interestingly, we decided to have quite a period of time on our own before we had a family. So I did have another job between that time, which was, again, in recruitment, which was an all-female company. And oh. I, I managed a, a department sort of uh, within a, a city, within the city of London, recruiting oh. temps into the city. So I had, a, I had a really good, that was probably my pinnacle of my career working for other people. So I would say that, oh, was, the, yes. that was probably the one that I really accelerated and got, I got an awful lot out of it financially and just learning. I think the curve for that one was the biggest learning curve I'd ever been on. 
And it, oh, it was it was amazing. But we'd had that. We knew we were going to have that time before we settled down to have a family. Um, and I'm very glad we did, actually, because we were, you know, we had a lot of fun in London. We did a lot of traveling and yes. we were able to do it because we had two incomes coming in. Oh, I love that. That's I can really relate. My husband and I have have kind of chosen the same route. And I'm from the South. Have you ever been to Texas or anywhere in the South of the US? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to go to Texas. It's on my bucket list. Oh, you would, I think you would really love it. But get ready for some heat on your walks. They're going to be cut in half because it is so hot. But you would you would really love it. I'm from the South, and a lot of folks in the South that you know, it's really um kind of married and kids and let's start a family. But I couldn't agree more with that thought of, you know, having the time to get, well, honestly, get to know your husband and mm. same, my husband and I have traveled and we've had so much fun, like you said, with two incomes coming in. So I can really resonate as that's really the season of life I'm currently in. So it's fun to hear that you look back on that and think, yeah, that was a really fun and good decision for us. Mm, it was. Yeah. Definitely worth doing really good. Oh, Glad yes. to hear you're doing the same. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, it, we're we're really having a lot of fun. So I'm glad that I'm going to look back on the same season of life and think, okay, I'm glad that I did that. <laughs> but with yeah, that role, uh, it's so it's so interesting to hear too, um, you know, that that was really such a season of growth for you. What were some of your favorite things about that role? What did you love about it? And what was kind of, as you look back on it, maybe some real success that you found in that role that you you're really proud of? Um, I think I, I had a team of people who worked with me and I just loved managing them. But I think I was a good mm. manager. They've always said I am. We, in fact, we had a meetup recently. We all got together and it was the, we were just saying how much fun it had been. I think I got the I, I learned to get the balance of being a manager, but also being fun. So it's a bit like when you're a mother, you're not your children's best friend. You're their mum first. Right. You can be their friend, but you can't be their friend, if you see what I mean. And it's the right. same when you're managing people. You can you have to be their manager first, but you can equally be the human and the friend as well. And I think I got that balance right. That's really good. That's a great tip for anyone who is in a role of, of managing and being able to have that professional element, but also probably having the element of really caring for your people and, and being there for them and hearing about their real life, you know, experiences mm. and whatnot. I love that you guys got together recently. How fun is that? I know. Amazing. And it was an all female company. I mean, the, the noise in the place, the bar we went to in London, honestly, I don't think people knew what had hit them when about 50 <laughs> women descended on them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All catching up after so many years. It was really lovely. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's amazing. Well, well, that's so fun to hear. And so was, and I correct me if I'm wrong, was that the last role before taking on a whole other job of motherhood? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. So diving into those motherhood kind of years, I'm so curious and we can fast forward just a little bit because I'm so eager to hear more about Mushroom London and all that you're doing, but what did it look like? So you have been, uh, you're now an empty nester, but for all of those years, you're raising kiddos. Were you uh, fully mom? Were you able to fully be mom and be present with the kiddos or were you able to have projects on the side? What did that look like all those years of raising kids? I had little projects on the side. So when I had Ollie, who's our eldest, I went back to work a day and a half a week until oh, nice. our daughter came along. So that, that was back okay. to the company where I'd been the manager. So I was able to get a day and a half a week, which worked perfectly. Oh, um, wonderful. Yeah, that, so that was brilliant. And so I kept my hand in, which was rather nice. 
And then when when Izzy was born, it was just too much to try and work. But eventually, when then we had our third, I apart from doing projects with houses and things, I um, we, we bought a place in Portugal, so I'd got that all furnished. I set up a little business called Closet Drama, which used to go and I used to go around and do people's wardrobes for them and help them choose what to wear and sort out their outfits. Um, oh, and and in, of course, in those days, it would be a case of taking a photograph of the outfit and then getting them developed and they'd pin it on the back of their wardrobe door so they could remember how to put together put together a particular um, oh. set of outfits for whatever they needed oh. them for. Oh, that is so fun. How fun to look back on that and think, gosh, you've been an entrepreneur for quite some time. Were those friends and then friends of friends? And would you go into their home and kind of style it for them? Is that what that looked like? Yes, exactly. And it just sort of, it fitted in with the school terms. It fitted in with the school day. And it gave me a little bit of something that was me. What would you say? I'm so curious because I know that I do have quite a few listeners, not just you know recent graduates and those looking to begin their career, but like I said, those who are pivoting and even quite a few new moms. What would you say to maybe a young mom who has a little one that's thinking of doing some, some project like that? I mean, gosh, that's so creative of you to think, well, this is what I love. This is what I'm good at. And I could help in this way. Do you have any tips for a mom who's kind of of wanting to do something but doesn't even know where to begin I, I would definitely say go for it because I should have done it sooner I should have done stuff oh. for myself a lot sooner than I did um, and believe in yourself because you can do it it doesn't and it doesn't have to start big just start small and make sure that you don't overface yourself because for me the children were always the priority but by having that little something else you don't lose your identity. It's very dangerous to be a full-time mum and lose your identity because that can happen to some women. You, you begin to forget who you are because when they're little, they are so all-consuming. They, you know, they 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 are basically your every waking minute. They mm-hmm. are they are demanding things of you in various ways, mm-hmm. and it's quite physical when they're little as well. So it's nice to have a mental stimulation somewhere else because you're not getting mm-hmm. much from a baby because they're not talking to you. You're obviously getting right. the love and the enjoyment, but they're not communicating in the same way. So I found that that was my little outlet. That was my my bit of being able to have some headspace, so to speak, I think is what we'd call it now. Yes. Oh, well, that's such great advice and such a good thought for me, even in the future. I, I know many of my girlfriends who have those young kiddos and outlet, like you said, just go for it. If you're thinking about it, you can do it. And I love that tip of starting small. I think so many of us think, okay, well, I want to do this big giant thing and I need to start big and giant. But really, like you said, to start small and go from there is probably just such great insight for sure. Yeah, because things life throws things at you you're not expecting with children. You never quite know where the next little trauma or drama is going to come from. So it's always good to be able to manage your work around what is obviously your main focus. So good. So you are throughout, gosh, raising those kids, you're thinking about uh, just adding in little elements that you're passionate about and continuing that entrepreneurial spirit that I believe has come out through Mushroom London. So tell me about the season that you were in as you start to see your kids head off to university and wherever else they may have, have headed, maybe starting a role and you're looking and thinking about your life and and upcoming years. Tell us, tell us about that. Tell us about the inspiration behind all that you're doing now and and maybe that beginning phase of even getting started. 
Well, I think it was quite funny. I went for a, a girls' supper, and the young, our youngest was at prep school, so I knew he would be going to boarding school about a, a year later. So that would mean the house was empty during the term time. And um, I told her that I'd been busy doing something, and she said, "You're just far too tidy. You need a job." She at the time was working <laughs> for Burberry and in um, HR, and said, mm-hmm. "I need somebody to come and help." But some of my clients, I need a, I need basically someone to come and be a personal shopper. I said, I really don't think I want to do that, actually. Thank you. But she said, right, come and work in the office then. And so I went back to Burberry for three days mm-hmm. a week just to do a mm-hmm. nine-month project. I, it, I was like a rabbit in the headlights. I had not been in an office for nearly 16 years. Oh, and, wow. I, and everybody was dressed up. Everybody sort of dressed like it was a cocktail party every day. So I was having to wear these heels. I was having to think every morning, what am I going to wear to look really sassy and trendy? And, and I, I literally was shattered at the end of every day, but I loved it. And it made me realize she was right. I needed to do something, but I didn't want to be locked into having to go somewhere at a certain time in the morning and not be able to leave until the certain end of the day. So that's yes. where the whole idea of doing my own thing came from. Oh, that is so fun. I love to think of you at Burberry after a b- large season of retirement, it feels like. And so you're kind of thrown in, just like you said, a, a bunny in the headlights kind of situation. But wow, that's so cool that it really uh, re-inspired you to think about what might be next for you and that flexibility element. So what were those beginning thoughts of, I want to do something? Were there things that you you kind of thought about, but you canceled out and thought, no, maybe not? Were, what was that brainstorming like? And were you talking with your kids, your husband? I mean, who were kind of around in that time as you're brainstorming what could be next for you? I think it was friends who kept coming to the house and saying, oh, you've got so many lovely things. You really should set up something and sell them. I think that those oh, were probably yes. the words that got me going. Uh, that would have been about six years ago, I imagine okay, it started. Wow. So we, yes, I think probably maybe even seven. Funny how time just whizzes by. So I had uh-huh. one. The youngest had gone to boarding school by that point, and the the oldest had just left boarding school and was on his gap year. So he was around as I was beginning to set it up. Oh my goodness. Uh, Well, for those of you who are just tuning in and are just learning more about Tina's story, you'll have to tell us because I know that it started as one thing and really has kind of morphed into all that Mushroom London is now. So tell us about the original thought behind it and what you were kind of up to. And then I can't wait to hear how it's trickled into so many different areas. Well, I set it up basically as an online shop, uh, mainly sourcing things from the UK. So particularly throws. I had this big thing about loving throws and I got a beautiful range of throws in from Wales. And I, because I think I told we have this house in Portugal, I'd caught, I I had been caught by these beautiful, very oversized ceramic apples and pears. And so I brought loads of those over. I sort of didn't think it through though, because when someone orders one, they're then getting them from me to them without them breaking was such a headache. And this is the oh, thing about yes. you learn as you go along. It, it's, you know, you, I can't stock things that are that big without people coming to pick them up. From If it's a shop, it's different. But when you're online, you really do have to think about how easy it's going to be to send things out. 
So that's been a big part of my learning curve. So true. And I love to just to piggyback on what you're saying, even starting this podcast, it's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And wow, Tina, we haven't even touched all of the amazing different things that you do and that you have done online. But that learning curve, that example of the the ceramic, you know, those beautiful apples and different things, that's such a great uh, point. Because I think, again, so many of us, we think, let's start it, let's go big. But there's so many lessons along the the way. So I love that you really dove in and it's an online shop at the time and you're selling all of these beautiful, beautiful things and learning along the way. So when did it become that you began to share a little bit more about yourself and your life and style and family? What what did that kind of look like? Was it a um, decision that was made on purpose or was it something that people asked, you know, what did that kind of look like to go into the lifestyle space? Well, I think that the children, my children, although they keep telling me I shouldn't call them children because they're all adults, they told me (laughs) I needed to set up an Instagram account, which would then help promote Mushroom. So I did, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I'd never had Instagram before. And they were brilliant. They were very supportive. They got me going. And I, I basically was putting pictures of product on there and saying, you know, I've got these available. This is, you'll be able to, you know, you can click on my link, look at my shop online. And it became, it got to a stage where I'd got quite a few followers and I didn't realize that actually they were sort of starting to ask questions about me. And and then Mm -hmm. I put a picture of the dog in a basket, which is one of my products on, and then it went, the hits got quite high. And then I put a picture of myself with some product and that was the turning point that was the I was brave enough to put myself up there and it sort of went from putting pictures of product up to putting pictures of me and people wanted to know what what I was wearing that day oh wow now did that come naturally to you to share more or was that something that you felt like gosh okay I you know people are asking I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and step out what did that look like it was stepping out of the comfort zone for sure to begin with um, right. I didn't mind. I mean, it, I've modeled. As a child, I was a model for 10 years for a, a shoe company called Clark's over here. Aww. I've done other modeling. So I'm not frightened of being in front of a camera. But when suddenly you're putting out the content and you're right. taking, you're getting a picture and you're putting it out there and you're thinking, I was trying not to get hung up on the likes and the, you know, all of that. But it's right. very difficult not to because you're thinking, oh, that one's bombed. Obviously, <laughs> that didn't go well. <laughs> so it was, it was quite, I felt like I was being quite brave when I first started doing it. Now it, it's like water off a duck's back. Storying is my big thing. I do, I don't, anyone who's on Instagram, I, I story a lot. And that, that seems to be where I get my most engagement. And I get most of my comments about how people, particularly women, are saying that I'm supporting them and they love my positivity and they love the fact that I motivate them. And that they can ask me. I mean, I'm always available when people send me a message and I always try and reply. So it sort of developed into this whole different thing to what, how it started. So cool, too, to think about, like you said, originally it's, you know, one thing, thinking about an online shop and helping in that way. But wow, you have helped women in so many different ways. And gosh, to, to think about that, kind of it's almost a trickling into all of these different entities. And I just have to say a quick side note before I forget. I have to thank you because you wouldn't know this, but you are even a model in in my life. And I'll tell you how. Um, My mom was going to get a haircut recently. 
and mm-hmm. I showed her pictures of your hair and I sent them to her and said, mom, this is what you need to do to your hair. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I love that. That is where she would so, have my hair right now after lockdown, <laughs> but I, guess it was, I hope it was one of the earlier pictures. <laughs> well, it's, oh, it's just so fun. It's so fun to think about. I told her that I was going to tell you that she did. She took a photo. And so th- I have to say thank you for that, Tina. But, but oh, even that, I mean, wonderful. how... Isn't that so fun? And I love that's because you were brave enough to step out and to begin sharing your life. And I love hearing that your kids, adults, I mean, would be my friends if I knew them same age. I love that they were so supportive of you and uh, and have continued to be so. Ha- has there been a time that they're like, oh my gosh, mom, this is, this is really taking off or I can't believe this. How cool. I think when I got over a thousand followers, which beat all of them, they were a bit a bit like, oh, <laughs> we didn't see that coming. <laughs> right. no, they have been they have never been anything other than incredibly supportive. They're lovely and I and I don't think I haven't yet embarrassed them, but there's plenty of time. <laughs> there is plenty of time. Oh my goodness, that is so sweet. Well, we've we've talked a little bit about, um, gosh, just the highs of your career and, and moving into this uh, space that was so obviously meant for you and how many women you've helped and how many people have said, you know, gosh, how can I how can I do this or what are, what are you wearing? What does this look like? And all of the assistance you've had. I am curious, uh, can you look back on your career and think as you've been learning, um, and looking through kind of the the different elements of your career, is there a time that you would look back and say, this was probably a failure, but I learned from it and it helped me grow and it helped me move in the right direction? Do I think there was a failure? I don't think, I don't think there was really. I think every job I did, I enjoyed because I think I didn't go down a particular career path. I was always prepared to try something new. So for me, um, I think, you know, if you, you must never be afraid to try something new. You must never be afraid to step outside that comfort zone and try a different job. And I always did that. I think my, my feeling about failure is that um, as long as you face up to your failure, you learn, you'll learn from it. You just need to own it. You just need to own anything that's gone wrong within a job you're doing or within a career path you're on and just and just move on. Because if we dwell on failures, we'd, we'd never go anywhere, would we? Well said. Very true. And I love, too, we can always look back on our career. And I know mine is a, definitely a shorter in, in years, but many different roles like yourself. And we can always look back and see how one prepared us for the next. So even as you were doing PR and marketing in your early years, and then even stepping into other areas of passion and fashion, that's really been able to hopefully, and I believe it's true, has set you up for success with with Mushroom London. Um, I, I am wondering because I would guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably had quite a learning curve as you dove into Gosh, social media, you have an amazing website that's built out. You do podcasts. I mean, my goodness, what was the route to dive into so many different entities? I mean, so we started with the shop, and then were you then moving into blogging and storying? I mean, and when did your courses come together and the podcast? I know there's so much, but I'm so curious because I think it's really cool how you can get set up in one space and then you realize that there's more that you could be doing to help others. And I think that's exactly what you've done. What did that kind of look like? I think as my website has changed, it's become more of a lifestyle website than a shop now. 
Um, and I wanted to, I want to define sort of, I, I need to t- cut out some of the products that I'm selling. I know that now. I know that I'm going to have a much smaller range of things that are, that are me, that are mushroom. And so I thought while I'm doing that, I may as well be looking at other things I can be adding to this website. A lot of it comes from people asking me things. So I get questions from followers, people saying, can you help me? I need some help with Instagram. So I've written this beginner's Instagram course that came. It took me it's taken me about a year to get to that point. But it came predominantly from people requesting that I do it, that they wanted help and that they needed something a course, it's basically a course for people like me written by me. So it's for people who haven't got necessarily all the tech savvy, which I certainly didn't have. Um, <laughs> the blogging started, I love writing. I studied English and I before I did my business studies and I, I love writing. So that was easy for me. I find I write poems. I write an awful lot of poems. Um, mm. So I do them for special occasions. The kids' 21st, I've always done them a poem for after dinner when the hus- my husband's done the speech I do a poem so I think it mm. just I just started writing and found it was really easy and then the response I think for me it's always the response you get from people drives you on I don't know if you, do, you probably agree with me that you know if you get a good response you want to do more and to be able to look and to see okay this is really helping people I mean I love to think about your followers who are able to download your courses and learn from you and what I think is really cool is how much they probably can relate. I mean, you just did this. You were just able to dive in. And I think that some people, you know, and even for women your age, for women younger, when women are pivoting in their career, sometimes there can be a hesitation. Well, I don't know enough. I don't know. I don't know how to do any of that. What would you say to someone who is thinking about trying something new? Perhaps they've been retired through motherhood and they're stepping out and they're becoming empty nesters, or perhaps they're just looking to pivot in their career, what would you say to someone who wants to take that leap of faith but feels overwhelmed with the need to learn all of this new stuff? I wish I'd believed in myself sooner than I did, is what I would say, because Mm -hmm. we can do it. I mean, I'm 54, but I don't feel 54. And I, during lockdown here in the UK, I decided, I don't know why I decided, but I decided to start doing podca- a podcast every week. And yes. and I have done, and I didn't know how to use the technology behind it, but I did have my IT team here because all the kids were around. But I put myself out there again, and I think it is about that. Believe in yourself and do it, genuinely believe in yourself sooner than you think you should, because you can do it. Mm. I love that. I I really can resonate with that with this podcast. I think I could have done this years ago, but like you said, I just I, I there was so much to it and it felt so big. But mm. for anyone listening, I love what Tina just said. She's 54. Like you said, you don't feel 54. You definitely don't look 54. But but gosh, to think about having the courage to go for it and and just do it. Just go for it. Try it. And like we've kind of said in this conversation and in others, you'll learn as you go, which I think is so true about your career and all that you've done. And it's just incredible to hear how each step, especially in recent years, having that feedback and having people say, well, what about this? What about that? You've recognized, wow, I, I can really help people if I if I head this way. Um, you have had so many amazing moments throughout your career. 
both in recent years and in the past. I am wondering if you have a real wow moment in your career that you look back on and you were just so proud of the moment or it was a moment that you just wanted to pinch yourself. Uh, Can you share any kind of wow moment with my listeners? The day my website went live was my wow moment because I truly believed I couldn't do it. And when it was up there the next day and I got two orders overnight, that was my wow moment. Oh, that is so fun. Oh my gosh, that's so fun and so true. So you were sleeping. running up the stairs to the children saying, I've had, it, I've had two orders, I've had two orders. Like some oh. young child waking them all up. <laughs> Yes. That is so sweet. Oh, I love how it's been just, it seems like a family affair for, for everyone to kind of rally behind mom. That is so cool and way to go kids. You guys are awesome. So many of my listeners again are, are in that season of life, either post-grad, recent grads pivoting in their career. And I know that they would benefit so much from, from this question in thinking through your life, your career, What would you say, and this is a big one, (laughs) but what would you say is the greatest lesson you have learned? Oh, that's a really interesting one. Uh, I think it is just to not not be afraid to try something new. I think that really is the greatest lesson, whether it's motherhood, whether it's you know, you can be a mom and you can still work. That's fine too. Not, not to let anybody define what you should be and you, you try, you do what you want to do. And don't be frightened to try it and don't be worried about what anyone else thinks about what you're doing. A great lesson. And I think if we can hear what Tina's saying and trust her to move forward with any of the fun ideas that you have, anything that you're looking to explore and do, why not go for it? Learn along the way. And like Tina said, don't be afraid to try something new. I I think that's huge. And I think that's an incredible life lesson. One other thing to add to that is that affirmation is really important. And it's very easy to, I find it very easy to be complimentary about people. And if I get a compliment, which I do now regularly in my messages in my Instagram, I've taken to actually writing them down. They're normally little comments like, you really inspire me. Thank you so much for getting me out of bed this morning. I went for a walk. I've started putting them down. Those are my affirmations that I read when I'm having a bad day. So you need to have somebody who motivates you as well as being a motivator. Oh, wow. That is amazing, Tina. That is so incredible. Did you guys catch that? These things that people are encouraging Tina in, she has been able to take and make those affirmations for herself. I just got chills. That is awesome. That is so cool. I love, I love that. And how fun to really connect with your, gosh, your customers, your followers in that way. I mean, to take what they're saying to heart. And I've been lucky enough to follow you for a short time, just since Susie introduced us. And I can definitely say you guys are going to enjoy, and I know I'm teasing it. We will get to where you can find Tina shortly, but (laughs) gosh, you will enjoy just all that you're doing, the positivity, the encouragement, your, your daily walks and affirmations. They're so fun to see. So I agree with all of those little messages coming in for you. (laughs) I I would love to know within the mindset of, gosh, these lessons learned throughout your incredible career, what are you learning now? I am learning that um, anything is possible, actually. Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. And I'm learning to, to try and by motivating others, it, it makes me feel good about myself. We all, as I say, we all need somebody to motivate us. And my current motivation 
um, you've probably heard of him, is the body coach, Joe Wicks. He's been doing PE every day with the kids in the UK and I think across the world during lockdown. And I I think that to me, I'm learning that you you need to have someone to motivate you. You can't, you can't be the, I've always been the top of the heap because I was the mum and I had the kids coming up. They now motivate me, my children, because they're all older and wiser and they've got lots to bring to the mix. So I think it's not to be frightened to take motivation and advice from lots of directions and all, all lots of levels. It doesn't have to be people my age or people older than me. Just to, I'm learning an awful lot from the young. I love that. Anything is possible, especially when you step out and you let fear go. You let the the fear of thinking about what other people think of you or is this going to work out and just diving in. It's so fun to think of you diving in and learning and getting that website live. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. Well, I know you always have something up and coming. You've got so many great resources on your website. I'm curious, what's next for you? What's next for Mush? Room London, what can we be looking forward to? I think it's going to be what I'd like it to be, and I haven't, I haven't sort of got anything in place yet. I'd like to be able to find a way to be supportive and motivational on my Instagram account more to people who need it, because that to me is the, that gives me the greatest pleasure. It, it's it gives me more pleasure than when I get an order on my website to be able to motivate and to help others. And you have done so for so many women. What's some of the the main themes that you see from your followers when they connect with you and say hello? What is it? I'm sure they're inspired by your walks and all of that. What is kind of one of the themes recently that people have been reaching out and saying, thank you, Tina? I think it's been during lockdown when I have taken up this big sort of exercise regime I love exercise anyway but I've taught myself that I need to be able to do press-ups at the age of 54 proper ones proper grown-up press-ups as I call them and I've been doing the thing saying just going out in the morning it's been we've had the most beautiful weather we've been very lucky and just saying get up get out and I get messages from people saying you literally made me get out of bed you literally made me get out of bed you made me get off my sofa and I went outside and I had the most beautiful walk I'm not asking anyone to run a marathon, but I'm just saying you will feel better mentally if you can go out and do something. Because I think a lot of people were getting, during this time, were getting, you know, a little bit stuck in their ways. And, and I think that to me is, is has been the, the biggest thing recently. Absolutely. I'm an avid walker. And so anytime I see you walking, I think, oh, we're walking together. I in LA <laughs> and you in the UK. <laughs> I know. It's lovely, isn't it? It really is just to be able to get out and and walk. Gosh, so that's that's one of our takeaways today, you guys. If you are listening to this sitting on your couch, Tina and I want you to go ahead, jump up, put on your sneakers, maybe maybe rewind and re-listen and head out on a walk. I love it. There's there's so many amazing things that you've shared today, Tina, and I'm I'm so grateful that you would take the time to join me on the podcast. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to share with my listeners? I can't. I, I think we could probably actually do an entire another podcast. To be completely fair. <laughs> I think so too. Honestly, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> I, think I might have to come back for a second run at some point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, I know that I've teased this quite a bit, and people would just be livid if I did not let you share. Because again, and I, I just before I ask, I want to say. Tina is such an incredible, I mean, as you can hear throughout our conversation, incredible inspiration. She is doing so much, not just 
to help empty nesters and those uh, closer to her age, but but women like myself to see you diving in and to doing so many amazing things, encouraging women in style, exercise, design. It's just been so fun. So with all of that being said, where can people connect with you? They, the best place to find me is on Instagram and my yes. Instagram name is at Mushroom London. And on there, I've got the link tree, which will take you to my LinkedIn account. I'm always happy to link in with anyone who needs any advice and uh, my website and my blogs and my podcasts are all on there. So it's at Mushroom London on Instagram. Oh, fabulous. Well, Tina, thank you again so much for your time. I'm just starting my day and you're almost ending yours, but my day is going to be fabulous after being able to chat with you. Oh, thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you again, and we will talk to you soon. Hope so. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How Does She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How Does She Do That Podcast. Please join us next Tuesday for a new episode. Talk to you soon.